0: Good evening, Common Room. I hope you've had a great week. Welcome to this week's Sports Fix with me, Ben Cullen. For 45 minutes, Liverpool's hopes of reaching the Champions League final looked in serious jeopardy. They were outplayed during the first half of their semi-final leg in Villarreal. The Reds producing surely their worst half of the season in a game that threatened to derail their quadruple hopes. But, as is so often the case, Jurgen Klopp's side found a way. Liverpool looked in control of their tie after a comfortable 2-0 win last week at Anfield. But the Spanish side cancelled out that lead by the break. At the hour mark, it was still 2-0 on aggregate. But three goals in the second half sends Liverpool to Paris, where they will play either Real Madrid or Manchester City. This means they can still become the first English team to win a quadruple of Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup and League Cup. The UFC has a big pay-per-view lined up for this weekend and two titles will be on the line. In the main event of UFC 274, lightweight champion Charles Oliveira defends his belt against former interim champ Justin Gaethje. This is a fight that has virtually zero chance of being boring. Reigning champ Oliveira believes that Gaethje is wasting his time trying to win the mental game ahead of the fight. It will be the second undisputed UFC title shot for the highlight. Who is coming off a fight of the year candidate opposite michael chandler at ufc 268. as for the co-main event rose Namajunas lost to carla esparza for the inaugural strawweight title back in 2015 and now she gets the chance to avenge that loss in a title defense in the featured non-title bout michael chandler and tony ferguson are set to battle in a three-round contest Snooker legend Ronnie O'Sullivan has played down his achievement of equal in Stephen Hendry's modern era record of seven world titles. O'Sullivan beat Judd Trump 18-13 as the world championship final in Sheffield concluded on Monday. I think it meant more to him, referring to Hendry, than me to have seven world titles, but we will share it, O'Sullivan said. Hendry is an absolute legend of the game, it is just a number, I do not get too caught up in that. The world number one has won four of the five finals he has played at the Crucible since he considered retirement in 2011. It was at that point he started working with psychiatrist Steve Peters to help turn his form around. At 35 I thought I was done, O'Sullivan said. When I went to see Steve Peters in 2011 I was ready to quit. No other snooker player was winning anything by that sort of age. The Hendrys and Davises were on the way down by that age and I had accepted that was the trend. I am now delighted to welcome former professional footballer Michael Campion to the show. He joins us via Zoom. I'm very delighted to welcome Michael Campion to the show. He is a former professional football player who... Didn't take the conventional route into professional football, and he's done many things since, and I'll let him go into that in a little while. Michael, how are you?
1: Very well, thank you, Ben. Appreciate the invitation. and very happy to be here. We're super excited to have you, and we do
0: like to do some quick fire questions before we get into the meat of it, to test you and judge you before we get started. <laughs> I can't wait to be judged. Bring it yeah, on. <laughs> we judge hard. Favourite retired footballer of
1: all time. Oof. Xavi Hernandez, the Barcelona captain.
0: That was quick. Favourite sports star of all time?
1: Favourite sports star. Andre Agassi. Favourite sport that's not football? Golf. Singing or dancing? Dancing, because I can't sing and I can barely (laughs)
0: dance. (laughs) Favourite place you've ever been? Whistler. Whistler, Canada. We'll come back to that. Pizza or donuts?
1: Pizza, all day. Favourite current football player? Favorite current footballer: Kevin de Bruyne. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Which football team do you support? Derby County. It's like a <laughs> uh, it's like a genetic disease passed on to me. So I had no choice in that one. <laughs> got We've got
0: another Derby County story as well.
1: <laughs> we do, we do. A very yeah. brief one.
0: A brief Looking one. On there. All right, Michael, <laughs> put, give everyone a brief rundown of, I guess, what you do day to day now, and, and a brief history of your sporting career.
1: Sure. I guess day-to-day now is uh, I put it into three buckets. I build, I learn, and I teach. So I'm an entrepreneur for the last six or seven years since I retired from professional football. I've been building a luxury Japanese sake brand. Uh, With regards to the learning, I host a self-development and business podcast called Playing the Inner Game, which is all about me interviewing people who are more successful, more good-looking, more famous, better than I am on every dimension, and just learning everything I can from them, absorbing all of their wisdom and, and giving it to my audience. So I've had some some fantastic names on that podcast. And then I take everything that I've learned from the world of business, from the world of sport, from the podcast, and I teach. Uh, I do corporate training for large investment banks, for startups, for universities and schools, and also do some one-to-one executive coaching as well. But this is sports fix. So with regards to sports, you know, I, I am an ex-professional footballer. I was very fortunate enough to to represent Hong Kong national team a couple of times. I was born and raised in Hong Kong as a as a fairly typical international school kid. Even if my route to professional football was was very circuitous, I didn't go the conventional route to to playing professional football. And of course, I, I'm happy to get into that as well. Very good. I don't believe you on the better looking part. <laughs> Face for radio, which is why we're doing this. <laughs> no, not at all.
0: There's, there's a lot to unpack there, but which one of your guests or what has one person said that has perhaps been so poignant that you can, mm. that is now lives with you day to day? Is that an easy question to answer? Yeah.
1: It's not an easy question. It is at the same time, because I'm sure you experienced the same thing. Every single guest that I've had on the show has left some kind of imprint on me. I, I say I carry their words like talismans. And you never know when it'll come to you, but there'll will be a moment in time you'll be, you'll find yourself in a situation where the words of a certain guest will will just emerge from the depths and, and they'll resonate with you. And and you know, I, I can't necessarily put my finger on on one right now, but like anything kind of in life, it's, it's you know, sometimes people they say, for example, why do I read a book? I read a book because my capacity to retain the information is is so limited I I seem to almost forget everything that I've read but that's not true it leaves a mark it leaves a stain on you whether you realize it or not and you've absorbed some of that philosophy it just becomes a part of you so I think just being able to absorb all that wisdom by osmosis on the podcast it's it's single-handedly the best thing I do it makes me zero revenue I do no advertising on the show there's no commercial component to it Um, but every single guest has left left a mark on me in a very positive way
0: brilliant brilliant answer and uh yeah resonate everything <laughs> you just said there are certain things people say that you don't don't expect um yeah they stick out when you at least expect them to so take us back to your school years you played football for the most part but how did the rest of I your did school, um marks look like
1: yeah i think no i was i was always a talented sportsman and we can unpack that word talent for what it actually means and is um i was a good all-rounder but football was always the thing i was best at it's the thing i was most well known for i suppose i I captained, you know primary school captain secondary school it was somewhat preordained that i would play professional football i think by a lot of people to what level that was you know that was always up in the air that was always the question mark but you know, if, if enough people say the same thing enough times over and over, maybe you start to believe it. Um, but I loved golf. I loved tennis. If, if there was a ball to be kicked or thrown or, you know, I, I would pick it up and play it. So I, I loved sport. Um, swimming was probably my weak point. I think I, I, I looked more like I was drowning than swimming. But anything on land, anything <laughs> land based, I was, I was fairly handy. Um Yeah, I played professional football, not until my mid twenties. I didn't, I didn't get to professional football till I was about 26. And the reason I, that happened, I think is, you know, when I was a teenager, I had trials with, with professional clubs in the UK. So Derby County, Nottingham Forest, Notts County. Um, I play, I was attached to the Hong Kong national team as well at under 16 and under 18 level, but I took the decision to, the very considered decision to follow the academic route. Uh, And I went to university in the UK and basically shelved all dreams of playing professional football when I was 17, 18. I actually remember sending an email that still exists in my old Hotmail account. If I go back into it, uh, the email to my coach of the Hong Kong national team, which I put together with my dad explaining, you know, very heartfelt in a heartfelt way that I appreciated the support and the encouragement. And I felt like I was doing well, but I was gonna choose academics and I had to basically give up um, the commitment to to playing for the national team because it's so much right balancing with your academics and, and the commitment of training several times a week and quite often in god knows where in the new territories and shuttling back and forth and so I made the decision to, to focus on my exams went to university and I actually got into investment banking uh, in my early 20s before uh, realizing I think in my mid twenties that that wasn't the path for me. I always played semi-professional, you know, during my time in the UK. So it was always on the back burner. I was keeping fairly sharp and keeping fit, but it was very far removed from the world of you know playing for the national team and, and playing in big stadiums. It was it was fairly unglamorous stuff. Yeah. When you were playing in the UK
0: and you had a different mindset, mm. did you enjoy it more, or
1: because you weren't? perhaps striving did you enjoy it less it's a great question it's a great question i've fallen in and out of love with football so many times Mm. of course of my life to be completely honest with you and i think in terms of advice for the kids maybe younger people who are listening to this show i would just say that following your passion is both good advice and bad advice at the same time so what do i mean by that i ended up quitting investment banking in my mid-20s took a year out to go to Whistler, which we mentioned at the start, to learn how to snowboard and really introspect about what I wanted in life, and I ended up moving back to Hong Kong and ended up winning a professional football contract. And, you know, I think it was on my 26th birthday. So that was after years of shelving any dreams of playing playing professional football. And, and yes, I was to your to your question. I was enjoying football. Uh, uh, I think once you make your passion your profession, that is when it changes for me. So I would say I really enjoyed the first couple of years playing professionally. The second half of my career, I didn't enjoy it, to be perfectly honest. I was injured a lot of the time. The, the constant desire to push your body to its limits when maybe it can't go any further um, puts you through a lot of pain uh, physically and emotionally. Uh, it becomes all about winning uh, and less about enjoyment and the aesthetics of the game, which I always enjoyed. So am I proud of what I achieved as a professional footballer? Absolutely. But can I be honest and say that I enjoyed every single moment of it? Definitely, definitely not. Thank you, Michael. We look forward to hearing more from you next week.
0: Hong Kong, are you ready? This is the hottest ticket in the world right now. Formula One is heading to the Sunshine State this week for the inaugural Miami Grand Prix on a stunning temporary street circuit. The Miami Leg will be the 77th venue to hold a Grand Prix and will be the only new track on the 2022 F1 calendar. That is my hottest ticket in the world this week. Have a great weekend all, and I'll see you for your Sports Fix next week. And that was once again Ben Cullen. and join us tomorrow for All Being Well and next week here in the Common Room for your Sports Fix. Common Room with Alison Howe. Common Room with Alison Howe.